Trisha, this is like perfect to like segue for you. How many kids did you want before you got married? And how many do you actually have? Okay. I have three. Mm-hmm. I just remembered I had a dream last night that you were having a fourth. I have dreams about that all the time. I'm not kidding. I had a dream last night you were pregnant with a fourth. It oh just came to me. Oh boy. My God, do it. No, no, no. That would, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. Don't encourage her. What are you doing? Yeah, be careful. <laughs> I just do How to get my husband to try to understand the mental load I have as a working mom. He never will. One. Yeah, he never will. Don't try. What is one final thought you want to leave listeners with? I want you to believe it gets easier. Your marriage gets easier. Taking care of your body gets easier. Your independence gets easier. Don't be sad about the notion of your children getting older and the sentimentality around these beautiful, precious little chubby-cheeked, kissable children getting older because you will just keep loving them more and more. So don't be afraid of them getting older because the love that you're enjoying keeps expanding. And yet, while that's happening, you get more liberated and free and there's less strain in your marriage and there's more freedom in your life. So I just want to tell women to not worry. I'm Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing of Connecticut, childbirth advocate and postpartum support specialist. And I'm Trisha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do, but how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth. Well, I'm excited for this. Yeah, so are we. You're gonna be, it's going to be fun. Let's go. Come on, Trisha. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So do you want me to just jump in? How do you want to start? This is our episode to, first of all, it's the holiday season, right? And we decided to just do something a little different. And we do get a lot of personal questions. We've been storing them up for a long time. And Liz, we kind of threw them your way and said, you're in charge to like remove them, add to them, organize them. You are totally in charge of this episode. Great. Ask us whatever you or you think anyone else. Except don't ask us anything we can't answer. <laughs> would want to hear. Yeah, that's why I took all my questions out. I was like, nah. They'll <laughs> never answer that. No, we're going to try. We're I mean, we're really going to try. We finish our drinks, then you can ask us anything. We're really right. going to try. All did right. you just say ax? I think you did. Shoot. Did I already I, have too I much really to think you just said ax us anything. <laughs> then you can ask us that. Anything. Is that? Is that like That's a Midwestern thing? Is that a Midwestern thing? What? Oh my God. Okay. I think that was just, I don't know. I have family that uses that and we are not Midwestern. So I think that was just a slip. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like, I don't normally say that ever. Really? No, no. I don't know where that came from. It's very my cousin Vinny to me. (laughs) All right. Well, so I ax you. It is. My cousin Vinny. I'm trying to bring out my New Jersey girl. Hey, I'm from New Jersey. I don't speak yeah. like that. Hey, same. You don't know. Yeah. Okay. You need you need to know how New Jersey women really speak. I mean, it depends on where we in New speak Jersey you're very from. well. It really doesn't. Okay. I grew up in the city of Bayonne. <laughs> so let me tell you, there are some Jersey. There's some Jersey in Bayonne. I grew up yeah. in an area where there's none of that. <laughs> so it just <laughs> seems like a big cliche to me. 
<laughs> I love it. Well, I will, I'm going to throw everything at you guys. Cause I feel like every question that we got was amazing. Um, wow. so I kind of organized them into okay. little segments, including okay. a quickies. So I guess we'll just jump in. We got a couple of questions that were directly related to like podcasting. And I thought that that would be a really good like segue to start with. So the first question we got is what would you do for a living if it wasn't this? Like what, what do you view as the perfect job? So easy. Really? Go. College professor. I did that for 10 years at UConn. And to me, that is the perfect job. I had a phenomenal experience. It was incredibly fulfilling and wonderful. So I'm very boring. Uh, You're not boring. (laughs) I honest to God, never had career aspirations growing up. I had aspirations to be a mother. All I wanted to do was have babies. Well, you've done so much more. Uh, Yeah. Around having babies. So I decided to make some type of career around my desire to have babies. And that's why I became a midwife. But I think if I had total free reign to do whatever, or I had an alternative to what I do now, I honestly think I would be like two things, a homesteader, Mm -hmm. or I would write books. Very cool. A little beach house and just write. Grace and Frankie beach house. Yes, exactly. So dreamy. Yeah, that is so dreamy. My God, I love that. (laughs) Um, what's the hardest part about running a podcast? Do you ever feel burnt out? She must. (laughs) She bears the burden of the work. I don't ever feel burnt out. I sometimes feel overwhelmed. That's fair. But burnt out is different. Burnt out is for me, a low energy feeling. I don't tend to feel low energy around the podcast. I tend to feel high energy around the podcast. I don't think I could still be doing it if I didn't feel that way. But I do feel overwhelmed. That's interesting that you say that burnt out is like a low energy thing. Because as a mom, I can like so relate to that. (laughs) She's trying to convince herself that. Don't take me so seriously like I'm some saint. I'm like, "Hmm." I think you're totally wrong about that. So let me think it calls burnt out overwhelmed. Maybe I do. (laughs) No, burnt out to me is like you're fatigued of the work. I am not fatigued of the work. You have a point. Um, But I do feel it's too much or I shouldn't be like, I should be doing other aspects that I can't quite get to because I'm doing the routine parts that must be done. Um, I don't know what to call that, but it doesn't feel like a dragging down feeling. It just feels like a little too much sometimes. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's understandable. So, I mean, on that note, here's a good one. What's the best way to manage stress? Long baths, regular long baths. No, exercise. Total. Good sleep. You love baths. And exercise. I mean, I do love baths. And I think a bath is a great way to de-stress. But it's not always realistic, especially when you're really busy to take a long bath. But exercise, moving your body and sleeping. I mean, you just can't beat those for managing stress. Um, So for me, in all honesty, on a regular busy day where I'm working hours, morning through the afternoon and sometimes into the evening, my break, I just gravitate even unconsciously to my living room where I, um, I solve logic problems and that's my break. And I, I do it literally seven days a week. I've already done it today. (laughs) That's how you de-stress. I'm telling you, it is like for me meditation because 
meditation is focus. And when you're solving logic problems, you are focused and it is incredibly, but it's a relaxing, focus. it is incredibly relaxing and, um, satisfying. And it's just like one of my favorite things to do. So I have st- stacks. So I got a monthly subscription to penny press logic problems, which I love. And, um, and then I have a game called color C O L O R K U. It's this beautiful wooden game. And it's always out in my living room. And I am constantly, like literally last night, late last night, and multiple times today before I came to Trisha's house tonight, I go there and I de-stress by solving um, the um, the extreme, quote, extreme uh, problems. And for Christmas, wow. for a stocking stuffer, I asked for a new pack of extreme problems to solve. I'm not kidding. <laughs> You'll have to let us know if you get that in your stocking this year. Okay. Oh, I 100% am going to. My daughter is so on it. I mean, honestly, the, the, the key to, to managing stress, though, everybody's going to get stress at some point. And then like acutely managing stress is done by a, a good hard walk or exercise or a good night's sleep. You know, like that can do a lot for stress. But the real key to managing stress over the long term is good boundaries, knowing your limits. And setting those. And so you don't get to that place very often. Of course, it's going to happen. Everybody's going to have weeks where there's just too much going on and you feel stressed. And then you have to kind of implement those short term strategies. But long term yeah. strategy is just know what you can do and set your limits. Amen. What made you two take the leap and decide to start a podcast? A lunch. Is a that lunch what date. I don't remember that. What do you remember? It was totally a lunch date. What happened? Well, everything was a lunch date. <laughs> a conversation all- over lunch. And you said, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. What do you think? Would you want to? And I said, will you want to conspire with me to change the world? Maybe you said that. I don't remember that. No, I'm joking. But- I didn't say that. I'm, and I, I'm sure I said I'm totally nervous at the idea, but clients have been telling me to do this and I don't know. And I don't know. And I'm sure it's a ton of work and I'll never figure it out. And I don't even know why I'm talking about it right now. I'm sure I was like a whole bag of I, nerves about it. And I you, definitely recall that I didn't think twice about it. I, I simply rem- said like, yeah, of course, let's try it. A lot of thought. My strongest memory was being in a car with you. And we brought it up again. And I was like about to back out of a spot and you were with me in the car and I brought it up again and I'll never forget. You looked very serious and you said, well, it's going to be hard, but we can do it. I'll never forget that. Amazing. We're glad you did. It wasn't something we contemplated. It was just sort of like, we're going to do this and we're going to figure it out, whatever it takes. And we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Sometimes that's the best way though, just to kind of like jump in. Take that leap. Yeah. Got to take the leap. So I I think when you make decisions like that, it means that they're coming from a place of deep down inside. You just know that this is, you're certain that this is the right path. It's the next step. Other decisions that maybe aren't right for you, you you know, you go back and forth, back and forth, make a pros and cons list. We didn't do any of that. It was Mm -hmm. just like, yes, let's do it. We'll figure it out. Here we go. Right. What's the harm like in trying? Yeah. Amazing. That's right. Cool. So those are our podcast questions. Now we got a bunch of like childhood related questions. So I'm going to jump into those. Um, (laughs) Some of them are really fun. What's your most traumatic childhood memory? No, no, no. What? what? Tell us who screwed you up the most in your time your pet died. 
Okay. No, cool. I promise these are really tame. These are great. Therapy. It's not going to be like therapy, right? No, okay. it's not therapy. Let's How see. about we'll Bring start it. here. Bring when it. you were little, what did each of you think you would be when you grew up? I kind of already gave that away. I honest um, to God just thought I would be a mom. Just yeah. that's all I could think about from age 10 years old on is having babies and being a mom. I, from a very young age, I still have a second grade homework assignment where we had to describe what we would do when we grew up. I said I would be a speech pathologist because that's what my mom was. And I idolized my mom, of course. By eighth grade, I used my own money to buy an Italian language book and I was self-teaching. Of course you did. <laughs> it wasn't German? I, no, it was Italian. And my goal was to be an Italian translator for a living, which is hilarious to me because I, I don't know how long... And um, somewhere in between those two, I was going to be a vet until I realized part of a vet's job would be to put animals down, which was unacceptable to me in fourth and fifth grade. So I wasn't going to be a vet. And then I don't really remember anything after that. Okay. Through high school, I don't know what I thought. Okay. So how, so Trisha, this is like perfect to like segue for you. How many kids did you want before you got married and how many do you actually have? Okay. I have three. Mm -hmm. I just remembered I had a dream last night that you were having a fourth. I have dreams about that all the time. I'm not kidding. I had a dream last night you were pregnant with a fourth. Oh it boy. just came to me. Oh boy. My God, do it. No, no, no. That would, no. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, don't encourage her. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, be careful. I just felt such I'm always on the edge. <laughs> I just felt such relief remembering that was just a dream. And uh, I remembered thinking everything we ever do, you're going to have a baby in your arms now. And I don't know how we're going to yeah, it was very selfish, I think. Okay, go on. Okay. I think I just have to hold out for grandkids at this point, but um, um, five. Yeah. You thought you'd have five? I did want five. Holy cow. I mm. thought I would want three because I come from three and I ended up wanting two. Nice. Um, what is the best advice you'd give to your younger self about life? Mm. Here. <laughs> All right. I don't know if this answers the question, but if I could go back and talk to my 18-year-old self, what I would love to tell her is don't worry. I would just love to say to her, don't worry. You're going to make good decisions. There are wonderful people to come. There are wonderful opportunities. It's, I just wish I could go back and say, don't worry. I think, I think my advice would be something a little bit similar. It would be like not to see problems as problems, but as opportunities to learn and grow. And it's to, to not think that when difficult things happen to you, that you've done something wrong or that it's a bad thing. Like you've failed. Or it's a bad thing. Like every single thing that happens to you along the way can be an opportunity to learn and grow and be better. So not to worry about it because right. it's a growing opportunity. I mean, I'm going to take that little nugget of advice tonight. There you so go. thanks Great. for that. Um, <laughs> would you rather be a kid your whole life or an adult your whole life? Definitely an adult. Definitely an adult. Yeah. No question. Yeah. And I don't think it's fair when adults say to kids, you have it so easy. I don't think that's fair to say to kids because I think they're so overwhelmed living in a life where they have so little control and so many demands 
And then for adults to say, like, you know nothing about life and quote real problems, I tell my children it's the opposite. It gets easier and easier and easier. And yeah, being an adult comes with freedom. Children are very restricted and you can't top freedom. Where did you grow up and where did your parents grow up? I grew up in the same place that my parents grew up, basically. I grew up in East Lansing, Michigan. And my parents grew up in East Lansing and Lansing, Michigan, neighboring towns. Nice. I grew up in Ridgewood, New Jersey. And my parents both grew up in New York City. I have to tell a funny story. I was really dying to share this on Instagram the other day. I called my mom like two days ago. I was like, hey, mom, I was cooking dinner. Hey, mom, what are you up to? She goes, oh my gosh, I'm reading the difference between Taoism and Confucianism. It is so fascinating. <laughs> the Taoists believed this and the Confucianists believed this. Just I mean, my time. mom is just such, a, such an intellect with words. That is nice. This is like an off the cuff question for me, but like Cynthia, do you consider yourself like a carbon copy of your mom? Because I feel like everything I've ever heard you say about her, I'm like, you two are like two peas in a pod. I mean, I am very much a combination of both of my parents and I could easily explain why, but I'm just going to give one example. All of the truly natural parts of me that have led me to my work and this podcast and all the work that I care about so much in my life, this is hundred percent for my dad. He is the one person in my life who taught me to fully trust in nature and my body. And without that message from him, I would be living a completely different life. So I'm a lot like her, but I'm, I find it fascinating that we can spend 80% of our time with one parent and 20 with another based mainly based on like how our parents work or the hours that they work. Mm -hmm. I really believe we are each 50% influenced by both of our parents. And I see the same in my children. Oh, 100%. I agree with that. I just think it's fascinating. Yeah. Cool. Well, on that note, we're going to go into a little segment about marriage, family, and relationships. I think there are a couple of really good questions in here that I know you guys in Q&As in general want to hear more of. So this might be like a good way to inspire some people to keep getting these questions in there. Um, But first, we'll start with like some personal ones. Where did you get married and how did you meet your husbands? So I met my husband at summer camp. When you were seven. When I was seven years old. Oh my gosh. So yes, I have known him my entire life. Wow. Um, And he was 30. (laughs) He's old. Yeah. (laughs) So I. 30. No, he's like 10. He's five years older than me, which is a lot when you're seven and he's 12. So, you know, I had the little girl crush on the cute older boy, the (laughs) preteen. I guess it was probably more like when he was like 16 and I was 12. Um, But so ultimately we got married at the summer camp because oh so cute spent our whole life there together um and that's still our family business oh i need to see pictures you have to look at our instagram highlights called our story with dozens of photos of us starting with childhood telling how have i not seen this until we met until the moment trisha and i met yeah i'm mortified cool yeah well you should be it's an an incredible location (laughs) up in northern ontario Oh yeah, but you'll see that in there. You'll see her wedding day. You'll see all of it. Yeah. I got I was ushered to the altar by canoe. (laughs) Oh my God. Stop. Mm -hmm. Amazing. A bride in a canoe. 
I love that. Very, let's just be honest, a very, very pregnant bride in a canoe. (laughs) I got married at eight months pregnant. (laughs) And that was not that was not an accident. Let's just say that. In in my in my desire to be a mother, I also felt that the most beautiful time in my life would be pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And therefore I should get married at that time. (laughs) I love that. I agree. So I didn't actually. So yeah, I didn't wait. And you know, I, that just worked for me. Nice. And for me, let's see where we got married. My husband and I got married at the, oh, so beautiful. The New Jersey Botanical Gardens. Look it up. It's called the Skylands Manor. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. breathtaking. Um, and I met him because, well, let's see, I was working at MasterCard and I was having dinner with another young, like professional female friend who was in PR and we were going out to dinner one night. And then she invited another friend of hers Mm -hmm. and that third woman who I had just met that night, um, met me and really liked me, I guess, and was thinking of this friend she had who she really, really liked. She was a competitive sailor and she did competitive sailing with, um, a crew. And my husband was a 30 year old guy on the crew that she always really liked. Oh, wow. Um, And she was several years older, so she never really considered him for herself. She just always Mm -hmm. liked him a lot. And, um, she invited me to dinner a couple of weeks later and said, can I invite my friend Eric? And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah. When I, I said, so what's your friend Eric? Like, I'll never forget. She said, he's very smart and he has a very good heart. And I remember thinking, Aww. yeah, I don't think there are two things I'd rather hear. And, um, when we got into the, the bustling restaurant, there was like a, a jazz band playing. It was a really beautiful place called, um, Silvermine in, um, Norwalk, Connecticut. We got into this bustling, busy place. I walked in with her. And way across the room, I saw a guy stand up and like straighten his pants and like start walking over. And my like without even consciously thinking in my mind, I said, I hope that's him to myself. And that was the night I met my husband. Oh, love it. Um, and our anniversary was, um, we just had our anniversary yesterday. last night. Yeah, yesterday. Oh my God. Happy anniversary. Years. Thank you. 21, 21 years said? for Cynthia. 21 years. 18 for me. Wow. Um. What are some red flags in a friendship? In a friendship? Hmm. Okay. Well, we have teenage daughters, so we it's kind of not that hard if you think about it. Uh, for me, I would say, um, I would say a very strong red flag in a friendship, and in fact, in any relationship, would be if the other person... Uh, betrays or badmouths anyone else in their life in your presence. I think that just tells you everything. gossip. Yeah, anyone like, yeah. gossip. I mean, if you just see that, if you see them in a light where you realize there's another person in their life who wouldn't want to hear what they're saying right now or be surprised by what they're saying, that tells you that they're not true, they're not authentic, they're not sincere. Um, I think that's a really big, big red flag. I think yeah. people, people who gravitate toward drama, and especially if they want to talk about other people, not interested because you know, you know, they're going to do that about you. Totally. Um, what are your tips for a strong marriage? Well, gosh, we could have an entire episode on that. <laughs> you should. Um, yeah. I mean, there's so much to that, right? I don't want to answer as though I'm the, arbiter of what's a strong marriage and that I have all the answers, but I do have good ones though. She's very knowledgeable in this area. Well, I will say that I am aware 
that one of the best things for my marriage, without a doubt, well, yes, like all the usual things you would expect. So I'm not going to name all the usual things, right? Like trust and respect and all that. That's I hope that's a given uh, in any relationship that you're in. But I have become very aware that the best thing for my marriage, I believe, is that we have extremely close friends that we sometimes hang out with one, two, four times a week. We are truly close friends, like the closest of siblings. And I feel like that is just an incredible diffuser of the petty things that can come up in a good marriage, because a good marriage doesn't deal with heavy, hard stuff where you're losing sleep at night and you have like deep pain. In a good marriage, you have all the petty, ridiculous stuff. And when you have good friends to just break it up, even friends you can talk to about the stuff you're going through and even tell them the silly arguments you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel it's, I feel it's game changing. I really do. Yeah. And you're lucky to have that too. Cause I feel like, I mean, we moved, it's like, it's been like two years, but it's hard, you know, our kids are still really little. So we're getting into like the school system and still kind of trying to get to know our neighbors. And I feel like a lot of people probably wish that they had something like that. So you're very lucky. I think the goal is to have friends where you truly can walk into their home without knocking. And I think Mm -hmm. that should be everyone's goal because Mm -hmm. for years I had friends where it was like, oh, let's go to dinner next month on the 18th. And what restaurant should we go to and where should we drop a hundred and whatever dollars? But if you can just be like, hey, hey, pack up your dinner and come over and eat with us. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, what we all need. We need people we can just hang out with. And, you know, Trisha, like I've never rung the bell at your house. I I don't have a doorbell. You don't have a doorbell. So I'm nothing special. Everyone walks into this house without knocking or ringing. But mi casa su casa. (laughs) Love it. I'm coming over. Come over. You could just walk right in my front door. (laughs) I just think that you need to shake it up. And I think the intensity gets too great when couples are just within their four walls dealing with their petty things. They can lose perspective. Mm -hmm. You really have to. And if you don't have that, then you need to entertain, just entertain as much as possible, open your doors and get people in as much as possible and shake up the vibe in the house, shake up, play some music, get some nice food on on the stovetop and just cook together, just shake it up and get other people into your home. That's great. Good advice. Anything Uh, on your end, Trisha? Yeah, I have a couple of things. I mean, one is really cliche um, and that would just be good communication. But it's it's cliche, but it's just so darn important. Like if you if you don't have the ability to communicate easily and effectively, you you are going to have relationship problems. If you can communicate how you're feeling, if you can be vulnerable, if you can feel heard, if you get the right response, a supportive listening ear rather than a defensive response, you can you can stay connected and you can work through anything. So like communication to me is the root um, of of a healthy relationship. Good communication is the root of a healthy relationship. Um, But I also think that play is really important in a relationship. You need to be able to play with your spouse, go play tennis together, go skiing together, go (laughs) fishing together, go Find some common ground that you both enjoy doing that's playful and fun and make sure you do that on a regular basis. And I want to add something about relationships. And this is something I teach my children. You see too often, whether it's in the movies or in real life, you see too often 
people fighting for their relationship because, because I love him, right? Like you could be, you know, you could see in a movie, like a woman married to an abusive alcoholic and the movie's going to so focus on like how she loves him. What I believe and what I teach my own children is love is the lowest common denominator. It's the first thing you need in even a friendship. You need to have love in every relationship. I will, it is not the highest thing to aspire to, in my opinion. It's the first thing you need in order to go forward. The highest thing you can aspire to in a relationship is respect and trust. And for me, when trust is broken, when when respect is breached, then the relationship is at risk. And it doesn't matter. I mean, every boyfriend I ever broke up with before I met my husband, I loved them the day I broke up with them. It wasn't about not loving the person anymore. It's it. So I think there's too much on love being perceived as the, the pinnacle. When I actually think it's just the the first thing we must have. Right. That's baseline. Absolutely. There Absolutely. is no love without trust and respect. You cannot love a person that you don't trust and respect. Yep. Um, how do you work on resentment? How would you work on resentment issues with your mother-in-law if you had that? How I, I, I just don't have that. But. I mean, this comes up in my postpartum group. And the main, like the primary first question I have for women is, do you love her? And does she love you? And there are a lot of women, respect her. There there are a lot of women, there are a lot of women who say, I really love my mother-in-law and I know she loves me. And then they're just enraged at little things going on postpartum. And I feel like if you really love her and she, and you really feel, and know she loves you, then the question becomes how to speak with her about what you're feeling in the interest of the fact that you love each other and we want to preserve this relationship for decades to come. But if you have a relationship where the mother-in-law isn't close to you is proprietary with their child, your spouse, or also isn't close to your spouse, it's a whole different conversation. I mean, you can't just become vulnerable and bear your soul and open yourself up to someone who even your spouse doesn't have a good relationship with. So then it's just a matter of harder boundaries. So it's a hard question to answer because you first have to consider the relationship you have with that mother-in-law and the relationship your partner has with their mother. I mean, resentment comes from lack of good communication and boundaries. So if you are feeling resentful of your mother-in-law, then you are not setting the appropriate boundaries and communicating effectively. And I'm not saying that that's easy to do. I know that that's, that's hard to do in any relationship and it's particularly hard with mothers or mother-in-laws but mothers-in-law mother what did i sorry it's grammatical mothers-in-law i can't help myself honestly i i try i appreciate it (laughs) i do prefer to speak good grammar (laughs) well here's here's one actually how to get my husband to try to understand the mental load i have as a working mom he never will yeah he never will don't try just try to get him to try to get him to um, appreciate the difference. He will never be able to fully understand it because he is not a mother. Yeah. You must have more to say on this. Well, no, I'm just seeing Liz's disappointed face. because She's thinking, well, thanks a lot. She's like, darn, I want my husband to really get it. Well, we, I'm a stay at home mom and I still would love him to try to understand the mental load, but I understand what this person's asking. The mental load is extraordinary. I mean, yeah. It doesn't ever go away. I mean, it doesn't go away. It is extraordinary. You know? I mean, and I I don't think even a, maybe a single father can 
have the same level, but I'm not even sure. I think it is something about being a literal mother. I think a single father gets it. They must. <laughs> they have right? to, of course. Okay. Of course. Yeah, but they, they have also, to. their brains are different. I'm, I think that their brains must wire in the appropriate direction to take on the job because single fathers, I think, can do the job. Yeah, but just because they take on the job doesn't mean they necessarily take on the full I think load. I think they can do it. And I think their brain must, I think they, I would guess they get it. I mean, if you and I, I don't know, I don't know about it, but it's extraordinary. I mean, there, I do things morning, noon, and night. And my husband is, and your husband, very hands-on, very capable. So is mine, but he will just never. They don't. They have a different brain. They literally have a different brain. Women have many more connections in their brain than men do. And therefore we process information differently. Therefore, I think the mental load for a female is always going to be more. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry to whoever asked that question. <laughs> um, all right. We have a couple of questions that are like sort of about birth, but I liked them. So I th- I'm throwing them in. Is that okay? Yeah. Oh, wait, we said no. All right. Let's bring it, Liz. They must be good. Well, okay. So tips for a new midwife wanting to start her own home birth practice. Build good relationships with collaborating um, practitioners, especially OBs in the area, mm-hmm. in your local community. Foster those connections because you are going to need to rely on those relationships. But that also means you kind of have to be awesome. Like Trisha's awesome and she can build good relationships with people. So you got to be awesome to build good relationships. Just don't piss Trisha. people off. <laughs> <laughs> Trisha, did you work as a nurse before becoming a CNM? Oh, I have so much respect for nurses because it is hard ass work and I never did it. Um, I, I I didn't. I went, I specifically chose a midwifery program that would accelerate me right through that nursing path mm-hmm. um, and into midwifery. To be totally honest, I had a I in my year of nursing school that I had to do, I did not enjoy it. Um, I thought it was really difficult and not because it was like overwhelmingly hard work. I just, it wasn't, it, it, to me, it was very different than what midwifery is. Midwifery is supporting the natural beauty of physiologic birth and understanding the complications. Nursing is rooted in medicine and illness. And, Mm -hmm. um, like I said, I have a, a tremendous amount of respect for nurses because it is really hard work. It just wasn't, I wasn't able to do that. I didn't want to do that. That's fair. Um, thoughts on making the jump from doula to midwife. I think it's a great, it's well, a great starting point. You come, you're coming into midwifery with a ton of birth experience. I, I think it's a, a wonderful, um, foundation to have before coming, becoming a midwife. Cool. Very helpful. All right. That's it. That's all the birth stuff. Nothing oh, crazy. That was easy. Okay. Um, so now we have like a ton of general quickies. Okay. So quick. we will make these answers Cynthia, as she said quick. Okay. Quick I'll as we try. can. This is a challenge oh, for her. <laughs> Do you have any tattoos? None. Liz, if you had to guess, what would you say? Which I Trisha has a, has at least one. Which of us has four tattoos? <laughs> it's Trisha. <laughs> See? <laughs> she has zero. I have no tattoos. Get out. See? You think I might. You think she's you know? so wild and crazy? 
I don't know. She's she's another way. She's just like, I'm still trying to figure it out. No one can figure this out. Top favorite movies. Oh my God. Oh my God. Step aside. Go. Okay. Since I was little and saw West Side Story on Broadway with Debbie Allen, I've been West Side Story obsessed since I was 10. Love it. So West Side Story, the original, of course. Of course. Um, Quiz show is, I think, has to be up there as one of my favorite movies for, for sure. Quiz like show. A spelling bee movie? No, it's a true story that happened in the 50s and it is extraordinary. And, and if I've you have it, Robert it. Redford directed, please watch quiz show it is ext- every single scene is phenomenal and it is a true story and you, i'm telling you you know what we're gonna watch it tonight we're what wa- i'm sorry we are yeah don't give me that look sorry, i got a pack girl no no we're watching that movie right now <laughs> okay uh amadeus shawshank redemption that's okay what are yours everyone has shawshank on the list oh billy elliot how can i forget billy elliot I've never seen oh my god okay we have work to she do. loves a musical my family loves it. My family raised us going she to a musical it. every year on yeah. Broadway. But yeah. Billy Elliot is amazing. Come on, you have to like. Okay. Um, oh, there are very, very few movies that I have ever watched more than one time. I can't wait to hear this. It's going to be like um, a Tom Cruise movie or something. No. Okay. Well, oh, but I have watched Top Gun a few times. See, that's a Top okay. Gun. I mean, Top Gun, <laughs> come on. That's a great movie. Does nothing for me. What? Yeah, go ahead. Go. What are your movies? I mean, it's just the music. Oh, okay, whatever. Go it makes on. me want to like yeah. uh, conquer the world when I watch that movie. Really? Yes. Okay. Very inspirational for me. Okay. Okay. Legends of the Fall. Oh, that's very nice. I've but watched. she's a. Can I just tell everyone she's Brad Pitt obsessed? No, I yes, am not. Is. Yes, she is. I am not. I was. Yes, she is. Okay. Go on. I'm not. <laughs> he he lost my heart. <laughs> Sorry. It ha- it happens. Yeah. You know, he just he couldn't keep up. Uh, i hope he hears this brad are you listening brad if you're listening i used to have a lot of dreams about him and i always now you're now you just have dreams that you're pregnant i i I, I, I definitely have a lot of pregnancy and breastfeeding dreams it's it's a regular thing at least a couple a couple of months are those the ones with or without brad pitt (laughs) (laughs) the 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 movie of like the last five years that's been my favorite that I have actually watched four times is Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, I've never seen that. That movie is amazing. Okay. It's excellent. I mean, Shawshank Redemption is a fantastic movie. Oh, Cinderella Man. So good. If anyone hasn't seen that, that is a fabulous movie. Very inspiring. I like inspiring movies. First concert you ever went to. Madonna. Billy Joel, the nylon curtain. Oh, My brothers so brought me. I was so young. Yeah, it was amazing. Actually, that's incorrect. Best concert I went to as a young person was Madonna. Tori Amos was my first one. Oh, throwback. Favorite books? Okay, so my first favorite book is A Soldier of the Great War by Mark Halpern. And then my second favorite is um, Ken Follett, The Pillars of the Earth, which Trisha did read. Fabulous book. It was yeah. wonderful. I read that two years ago. Okay. And Love in the Time of Cholera. Anna Karenina. Oh, that's a good book. I read that, that in a good book. Uh, high school. I read that in college. Yeah. I took a Russian literature course in college yeah. and I really enjoyed Russian literature. The Brothers cool. Karamazov. Yes, that's a great one too. I like that one even more. Um, oh, this is for you, Cynthia. Favorite slash sexiest language. We all know this already. What? What are you going to say? What's the sexiest language in my opinion? 
German? No. Italian? Yeah, Italian for me. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, Spanish is the language I know the best. Um, this is the first one I've learned and studied and tutored. Um, German is the next one I know the best. But I think Italian is the sexiest language. No, it's French. I know. Most people say French. I most uh, people will agree with you. Anyone who speaks French is... For me, it's Italian. Immediately sexy. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I think Italian is, I think I'm, I would go with Italian. I think okay. what's the word, what's the German word this, this week or this month. I taught Trisha a few of them. <laughs> she gave me a dinner. bunch tonight and I won't remember any <laughs> Which was of your them. favorite one? This is your time to I shine. I like the stare one. You did? What yeah, was that one? The um, stare one leaving when you like type in bits and that, okay. So this is what's amazing about German. They have a word for everything. And you don't think you need a word for everything until you learn a bunch of German words. And you're like, oh, my God, we don't have a word for that in English. And it's 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 incredible that we don't. So type and bits literally means a staircase joke, which is when you think of the perfect comeback too late. Like you're you're done with the night. You're going up to the stairs to your bedroom. You're like, oh, Damn, I should have said that. I should have said. I mean, come on. That happens all the time. That's such a good one. Oh, my it? God. We don't have a word for that in English. Type and bits. Staircase joke. So good, isn't that? It's so, so much fun. It's so much fun. All right. Um, they also have um, Luftschloss, which means air castle. Luft means air. Luftschloss means air castle. And that's to describe like an impossible dream. Mm-hmm. Like a, a, a dream so lofty that it's called an air castle. Mm-hmm. The dreams like we that. should aspire to. Well, that one indicates that, yeah. But that one does indicate that it's never coming true. So, yeah. <laughs> so. All right. <clears throat> Favorite drink, alcoholic and non. Red wine always. Non-alcoholic? Water. Something other than water, <laughs> perhaps. Kombucha. All oh. right. Yeah. I don't drink anything carbonated. From sh- from kombucha to champagne, I don't drink anything carbonated. Um, my favorite non-alcoholic is an iced latte. Hands down. My favorite, if I'm having an alcoholic drink, my favorite will be um, a kamikaze or like an espresso martini. Yeah. Espresso martini. If you could eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Salad with grilled salmon. Salad. Everybody already knows this with me. Chicken wings. Chomps. Chocolate milk. It's not a food for the bazillionth time. It's a drink. Oh, I should. I should have answered. I should have said that. Yeah, that should have been your non-alcoholic drink. <laughs> that would be the one thing I would pick. Something you chew like a human being with teeth. She always says chocolate milk when you ask her her favorite food. I'm still stuck on the salad. Why? Just for the rest of your life, like only salad. Oh my god, you don't understand what my salads are like. They're amazing. <laughs> so first of all, I make homemade salad dressings of various types. My first ingredient, of course, it's like some combination of arugula and some other lettuce. The second is very thinly sliced red cabbage. And then like halved cherry tomatoes, either sliced almonds or walnuts. My salads are a, a little bit of diced scallion. My salads are unbelievable. Liz, you're coming over. You're I got my news salad, for you. And it's going to change your life. You're barking up the wrong tree. Why? Oh, you don't eat salad? I mean, I'll eat, uh, I'll eat. <laughs> my salad is like a, a taco without the shell. Wow. Like it's not. You haven't yeah. had anyone make you a good homemade salad dressing yet. And a good well, first salad of all, yet. I'm like tomato, like phobic. So Why? I just will never eat something that had tomatoes like chopped up in it. 
<laughs> Never. <laughs> it's not happening. Okay. But everything else I could, I, I'll, I'll, you know, I would dabble. But for the rest of my life, oh my God, I would die. I would waste I away. I would get sick of anything else. There not with the grilled no, salmon. There's, there's, there's and the no food that we could, any one of us could eat for the rest of our life. One I know. Who can, Liz, what would you say? What's yours? Oh my God. I would eat Chinese food, chicken and broccoli. The rest of your life? For every day. Okay. What are you not very good at? Where should we begin? Oh, I, I can do this easily. All right, I'm just going to tell the world right now. I can't whistle. <laughs> I can't whistle. I seriously can't. Everyone I know can. My daughter and my my children can whistle since they were toddlers. I cannot whistle. I have no idea why. I cannot whistle. It's it's bizarre. And I can do so much like lingual stuff. It's so strange. Like learning mm. foreign sounds and learning other languages. I can't whistle. That's not a bad thing to not be able to do, though, like to not do well. I thought, you know, it might be something. You want me to come up with something much more humiliating? There's got to be something. You mean other than not being able to whistle, which literally every human being can do? I didn't hear Trisha just now when she tried it. Look at that. Sadly. Very sadly. So no, no karaoke. I love karaoke. We'll definitely do karaoke. We love karaoke. It's a little embarrassing. I have a karaoke machine. I love singing. I'm not. I'm not that good at it, but I love it. If there's, if there were one thing that I could magically be good at, it would be singing. Cool. Oh, this is a good one. I don't know why I put this in quickies because it's not a quickie. But if you could spend a day talking to anyone who's ever lived, who would it be and why? Easy. That is not easy for me. Okay. She's going to say like Madonna. No. Or Brad Pitt. Nope. <laughs> nope. Leonardo da Vinci. Easy. Hands down. What is that face all about, Trisha? Why? You have any... Because he's the most fascinating genius that ever lived. From artist to engineer to lifestyle. Oh my gosh. I would, I've read books about him. I would love to speak to Leonardo da Vinci. Am I am I alone in this? I can't be. There must be no. I mean, that would be pretty cool. Say that. Yeah. That uh, that'd I be feel pretty like cool. There are hundreds of people that it would be cool. And no, there's, there's just only not one. one. There's, there's just there's not only one top. Person there's one. For me. There's one person. Mm. It's Madonna. <laughs> no. <laughs> nah. She would be pretty interesting to talk. I to. I mean, like, I would right enjoy <laughs> talking to her. Like, why did you do this to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I would enjoy talking to her. I can't pick I one. I've never been a Madonna fan. Well, come you on, that's, she's a bold woman. No, you whatever. like a bold woman. A bold woman. I don't need to meet another one. She's a shock factor woman. But there's a big difference, Trisha. Siddhartha. Hmm. Okay. I'd sit Here under the tree with Siddhartha. The Who's Your Daddy fan <laughs> goes with Siddhartha. See, you can't figure me out, can you? <laughs> I really can't. Does she have four tattoos or none? No one will Nobody know. Nobody will know. I still, yeah, I'm like, that has to be a lie. No, she, I, I, sure I have no tattoos. If she oh. needs to strip down right now, she will. So I'll show you every part. She will. That's okay. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Liz. Trisha <laughs> wanted you to say, please do. Grandma, please take your top off. <laughs> oh my God. Um, what do you do to style your hair in the morning? Literally nothing. My hair drips dry. <laughs> that's what I that's, do. That's very true. She does nothing with her hair. Looks good. Thank you for that. Yeah. She's just natural. I'm that naturally nice. gray. I'm naturally unstyled. Going gray. Not gray yet. 
I pretty much didn't own a blow dryer until I was in my late 30s. But now I blow dry my hair. But that's it. Wow. I wish. Why? You I just have to do like hair? so. I have to do so much more than that. I mean, most women think yeah, they but you, do. You look great. We just show up. You guys look great. What are you talking about? Whatever. They just let it be whatever it is. No. I think most women think they need to do a lot and really don't. Probably. Um, okay. Introvert or extrovert? Both. I, I've actually taken tests on this and I came out, came out 50-50. Probably. Yeah. I, I probably err a little more on the extrovert side. So do you. I, th- I feel like I err a little more on the introvert side. Really? I mean, like 55-45. Hmm. Yeah. I don't really get tired of being alone, but I am very happy when I'm with other people. So it's hard to hard to know. Maybe I err a little more on the introvert side then. I'd rather be a little, alone a little bit more than with people, but I like being with people. But I yeah, never, that's... I never, t- I am always happy to be alone. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I'm probably more a little introverted. Um, how tall are you? Five, three and three quarters. <laughs> Okay, I'll play. I'll do it your way. Five, five, and, and three quarters. She got two I inches used, on me. I used to be five, six, but I've lost a quarter inch. I don't know how. I practice yoga. I don't get it, but it happened. Oh, yeah. You should be stretching. You should be getting Maybe. taller. <laughs> <laughs> I need that. I'm five feet on the nose. <laughs> really? In case, really? yes. In you, case we, the wow. listeners are interested in my answer to this question, <laughs> five feet. <Wow. laughs> Um, are you a rule follower or a rule breaker? A follower and she's a breaker. Yeah. I'm a follower. Cynthia's a follower. I am not. She's a breaker. She's so bad. If there's a rule, but that's I why you guys break it. That's why we get along. That's why you get along. Somebody has to do it. What's on your nightstand? A pile of books. I'm still trying to get through a few pages at a time. Same. Same. Crystals. Crystals. What do you do with those? They help you sleep better. Okay. Really? Mm-hmm. I sleep great. What kind of crystals? I don't know. You just put them there and you sleep better? Yeah. <laughs> Can I put crystals all over my toddler's bedroom? Yes. Try it. <laughs> That'd be great. That's a great line. Um, you both have amazing skin. What are your best skin tips? <laughs> Do nothing at all ever. Cynthia literally does nothing. It's the truth. Just you- like her hair. She does nothing to her face. Well. It's true. Um, there, Tina Fey has a line in her one of her books. I think it was called Bossy Pants. My sister-in-law showed me. And she said, um, what I do, my tips for the best skin are, and then she was like, one, use skin cream, two, and she would be Italian with a capital B and a capital <laughs> I, be Italian. I think that's correct. <laughs> Wait, is that a thing? Do it? Do Italians have good skin? I mean, Amazing. Tina Fey says so. Yes. Italians have great skin. I don't know. Oh, okay. Cool. Then I feel blessed. Germans don't. Weekly workout routines? We both go to Orange Theory. We're lame. We both do the same thing. Well, I do Tai Chi every Monday. That's interesting. (laughs) For 90 90 minutes, apparently. For 90 minutes? Liz was surprised I go for 90 minutes. I said to her, I told her by text a few weeks ago or whatever, I said, I'm leaving Tai Chi 45 minutes early. She's like, how long is Tai Chi really? Two and a half hours. And I said, it's 90 minutes. That I'm loving. Okay. Um, yeah, basically, Orange Theory, Tai Chi, and then sporadic other things. You walk every day? 
Orange Theory two times a week and I walk every day. Amazing. This person says, would you ever consider moving to say South Alabama? No. Yes. Why would you? Because it's warm. It's warm. And there are beaches. But you were born in Wyoming. I know, but that I, I, I like a, I'm, I'm in a different phase of life. I'm, I'm more interested in the slow pace now. Mm, okay. Nope. Yes. Okay. Um, and then this is the last one in the, in the quickies. And I think this question is a hoot. What is your favorite niche emoji to use right now? Niche? Niche. I don't use emojis and neither does Trisha. Come on. You do not. Wait, I only don't use them with you because you never use them. No way. Yes. When we first started texting, you would do like the little smiley face and you'd say LOL instead of the laughing emoji. That's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, Cindy, I don't think I've ever seen you use I, an Normally emoji. I use emojis. Wait, you don't with me? <laughs> Should I start? It's just so surprising because you're so brief in text and I'm surprised that you're, that you have more that you <laughs> normally give and you're not giving. <laughs> That is a very nice I'm, way of putting it. I'm, I'm sincere. I'm very surprised. I don't use emojis at all. No, I, I mean, maybe heart. I do hearts. I do a heart. Like if I say something, I might say thank you with a heart. I don't know. Like to people who um, message us or something. I, I do do that sometimes. I do like to be to the point in text. I, I prefer less is more. I prefer fewer words. But I do like to use emojis. But what's a niche emoji? Like I have no idea. It means like an unconventional right? one, an original one. Not your same. I old use eggplant. Kind of basic. <laughs> Do you use the eggplant emoji? I don't. Do you use know what any? I mean? Hello, I was not born yesterday, but I don't use emojis. I mean, that's a great one. Oh, I'm looking at my emojis right now to see what's most commonly used. So let me let me, let me see what's a look little bit you, niche. Look at your texts with other people. You actually use them. See, I told you, I don't use emojis. This. I'm shocked. I don't emoji you, and I emoji I, other other I, women. How did this happen? You realize I don't use them, and you don't use them. I won't. You, I, you don't I don't mind if you use them. I don't them. use them with you because you don't you use them. You to be like me. You can be you. No, but I, I, I don't want to make you feel like you have to use them. So just... I won't feel that way. You use them and I won't. I think the cowboy emoji, the little smiley face with the cowboy. What head. does that even mean? Howdy. If you, oh God. <laughs> Emojis are so weird. Y'all. You know what? That's the problem with emojis. Let's ride. I don't ever know what they mean. Sometimes I have to look them up. Is there a way? Yes. How? You just look up what does this emoji mean? <laughs> to me, that's the foreign language I never want to learn. I like emojis. Okay. Me too. I love them. Um, all right. So that was the end of our quickies segment. I don't know how quick it was, but it was fun. <laughs> now we're going to get uh, into... If you guys haven't noticed, we're not great at, at sticking to quickie format. Oh, and wow. okay. I have named this the T. <laughs> Because these are the deep questions. These are like the questions that oh, everybody's been like waiting to hear at the end of. We're now just getting into that. Okay. We're just getting into that now. These are the oh, ones. Nice. We saved the best for last. Okay. So I'm going to read this the way the person wrote it. They're definitely not from New Jersey, but I love it. What was y'all's first impression of each other? Well, it was, I was at her birth. So my impression of her was that she was a beautiful, calm, serene, powerful birthing woman. Mm. That's when we first met. Okay. Thank you. You've never told me that before. <laughs> um, I was in labor. I thought I was sure you'd say you didn't remember when we first met. 
I How was, could I not remember I re- when we first met? because well, you once told me you didn't really remember it that well. <laughs> well, I don't remember the details <laughs> of your birth that well, but I remember the, the feeling. Okay, that's very nice. I specifically remember meeting Trisha. I was in labor with Vanessa. Again, this is all in our highlights. You see the pictures of it, but Trisha walked in so cute. Her hair was pulled back. She was wearing like black pants and a black t-shirt that said Yale midwifery at your cervix. And she had this big smile and I just loved her. I was like, oh my gosh, I love her. And then in my labor, she was also, uh, she was like a young midwife. She was really young, you know, but she had, yeah, she had a very confident, calm presence. And I sought comfort in that. And it was really beautiful. And postpartum, my strongest memory is um, lying on, like we, I came out of the tub and I was on my back in the bed with my husband next to me, my daughter on me, crawling up, doing the breast crawl. And Trisha was on her knees on the floor next to me and whispering. And I said, how come you're whispering? And she said, well, I just, I want the baby to bond with your voices, not mine. And she just confidently, calmly supported me in breastfeeding. I just, I just fell in love with her, honestly. There you Aww. go, Trisha. I loved you so much. Oh yeah. my God. You guys. You make me cry. That's very sweet. Thank you. Um, what is your favorite memory of one another? Dang, we might have to come back to that one. Well, I think you have memories with a friend where you get to know them very well by a moment in time. And I do remember certain moments in time where I got to know Trisha very well. And I can't say it's necessarily my favorite memory because I have so many positive memories, but I have one that really stands out where we were working on this podcast. We were working really diligently. We took it very seriously. I don't even think we were live yet, but we worked diligently a couple days a week, meeting each other in the morning, really a lot of work preparing to launch this thing for about six months. And one day we worked together for hours and it was a Friday afternoon. And she said, all right, well, um, I need to get going. I actually have to drive to JFK because I flew in last night and left my laptop there on the airplane. And supposedly they have it for me. And I just thought she's been working with me all day. She's been productive. She's been fun. She's been nice to be with. She didn't complain or even share this ridiculously heavy thing on her head that on a Friday afternoon, I don't know if you guys understand driving from Connecticut to JFK is like, you do not want to do that, especially on a Friday afternoon. And she just said, well, I need to go there and hopefully they have my laptop. She was totally calm about it. And she was laid back about even when she was leaving me and going to do that. And I thought that is unbelievable. I've known people in my life who've complained more of a $15 parking ticket than Trisha is complaining about not knowing where her laptop is right now and having to spend hours retrieving it in traffic. Um, that really stayed with me. And years later, I can say that was consistent with who she is still. I can still say that. I don't know if my memory is a single moment, but I think very, very fondly of our very early years together. So we, I met Cynthia at the birth of uh, her second child, Vanessa, 2009. in 2009. And we didn't see each other much for years after that, like what, maybe once a year? Not much. We weren't, we just stayed connected, but we, we weren't regular close friends. 
I don't know, 2017, 18? No, more like 15. No, you uh, ask the midwife. Oh, yes. Okay. So we started working together a little bit, but we started having regular lunches together. We started spending a lot more time together. 17. And um, we we met, we just started talking. We just started just talking about right. life and everything. And we just, for some reason, we just really mm-hmm. opened up at that time of our lives. And we met for lunch twice a month for, for hours. <laughs> we had three, four hour lunches. Oh and my God. we just talked and Cynthia was just, she had so much good advice. It was, it was like just very bonding, very powerful, very connected. Um, so I look back at that, those memories and the, those lunches and that time as just really pivotal, pivotal in our life and our friendship. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how the podcast was born in those conversations about everything. We talked about everything. Things we will never, we, ever tell anyone. We didn't about. hold anything back. <laughs> Amazing. You two are like, yeah, it just feels, you two feel so right as friends. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Um, do you have a favorite quote to live by? Uh, Many. I do. Really? One? No, it's really long. <laughs> Cynthia Fashion. <laughs> For the past, I don't know, 30 years, my I live by, I treat it almost like my religion. I live by the poem Desiderata by Max Ehrman. I know it by heart. Um, well, say it. Now you have to say it. No, I won't say the whole well, thing by heart. Say some. But even at dinner with my son last night, I recited a line from Desiderata. Look it up, Desiderata, D-E-S-I-D-E-R-A-T-A. Um, it means that which is desired. And um, it's the most beautiful poem. And there's a line about, gosh, there's a line in there about virtually everything in life. And um, and the last line of it, I, I really value. It's um, it's be cheerful, strive to be happy. And one of the qualities I cherish in both of my parents is cheerfulness. Cheerfulness, I think, is an underrated quality. And I think cheerfulness is an is a very important and very beautiful quality. When you bring cheerfulness to the people in your life, I think you're doing them a great service. I think you're doing yourself a great service. And I think it's no accident that in this extraordinarily beautiful poem, he ends with the line, be cheerful, strive to be happy. That's Those are the words I live by. Well, now I got to top that. Um, I, there are so many good quotes. And so many good words to live by. I I think it's just really impossible to pick one, but I'll give you a couple. Um, One is you cannot wish for both strong character and an easy life. The price of each is the other. So, you know, if you're going to stand by what you believe in, you better be prepared to run into some hurdles. You better be prepared to have people fight you. And, you know, you have to fight through that and stand, stand by what you believe in. Um, I also really love this one. This one's a little more playful and light, but I use it a lot uh, when trying to set boundaries and make decisions about things that I do or don't want to do. And I can always, and it doesn't, you know, I'm not perfect at this, but I, I try to utilize it. If I'm trying to decide about something, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And that makes making decisions really easy. 
like starting the podcast. Yeah. Like if it's not just like, oh yeah, let's do it. Let's go. I'm all in. If it's, if it's hemming and hawing and questioning and wondering, then you know what? That's a no. Just Mm -hmm. table it. And not, like I said, sometimes I'll still end up doing things that are not a hell yes, Uh but I try. I try with that. And then I think another really important one that kind of relates to the work Mm -hmm. that we do is that the only way out is through. And that comes up a lot in the in the birth work, birth trauma, loss in life, loss of a baby, loss of a family member, loss of friendships, loss of whatever. Like you must go head on into the difficult things that you experience in life to get through them. Yeah. You don't heal by avoiding. You don't heal by distracting. You don't heal by running from your pains. Mm -hmm. The more you take your pain head on, the faster you will heal and the more you will learn and grow. Love it. If you could time travel to any specific place and time, what would you choose and why? I go back to the year that I lived in Wyoming. I think it was 2004, maybe 2003. And I left college between my junior and senior year. Okay. And I moved to the middle of nowhere in Wyoming. I got a bartending job at a cowboy bar. I also got a baking job and I baked bread from Mm -hmm. like 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. And I lived on a massive ranch. And that was a really. You had a dog named Boots. I adopted a dog named Boots. That's also in our highlights. Got a shelter dog, rescue dog. And that was just a really, that was a really special year in time. Uh, But I think it was maybe not old enough to fully appreciate and enjoy it. So I think I'd take myself back there now and have a deeper integration into living in the Wild West. Cool. It's a, it's called our story. It's not called about us, right? Our story. Mm-hmm. All right. For me, this is a little naive, I think, but I think for me, if I could go to any point in time, it would actually be to be an American teenage girl or young woman in the 1950s. There's something about, I don't know. I mean, I guess it, it was my parents' era. So I do think we all have a little bit of a fascination with our parents' era. Um, I know today's kids are a little bit fascinated with the 80s, but I do have a really romanticized image of the 1950s. I love 1950s music. I don't listen to it often, but when I do, I feel I have to be in the mood for it, but I feel very happy. And just I think the thing I love the most is any culture that dances. Dance is very important to me. It's like one of the things I cherish the most in the whole world. And to just to think that there was a time where teenagers danced. That was the entertainment. Yeah, they, yeah, they just dance. dance. And there are cultures that still and do the, that. My niece has the, a Mexican um, boyfriend. And like everything they do at all ages, they're up, even the older people, they just dance. They hang out and they dance all night. And I am I have such a painful longing to be in a culture like that. And the 1950s house dresses were amazing. The, the dress, I love dresses. Like, I, I do, I, I, do I do fantasize a little bit about that. Like every day, what if I just woke up and wear, wore like a 1950s house dress? And I'm aware it wasn't a great, <laughs> Time. I know that there were, I mean, I'm aware of the social things going on then, but yeah. I, there is a romanticized, like the happy days vibe. 
There's something yeah. so innocent and lovely and romantic and sweet about all of it. Asking someone to go steady and like yeah. all of it is just precious to me. And I yeah. wish the world still had that. I wish today's teenagers had that sweet, precious, young romanticism. They deserve to have it. You know, my dad once shared with me that when he fell in love with my mom, he said, gosh, he said, Cynthia, I used to lie in bed at night dreaming of falling asleep with her, dreaming of waking up with her. He just dreamed of being with her in, right. in just that sweet old fashioned way. And, and his first date with her, he borrowed his uncle's Cadillac and took her to a Broadway musical. Like, it's just, it's just so sweet. You know, the days when. Yeah. And everything now can be a little like desensitized, you know, it's. Yeah. It's, I just, I long for that. I yeah. have well, a very old there, fashioned. We were, that we we were sad. There, it seems like people were satisfied with very simple, basic mm-hmm. pleasures in life. And today it, you know, it just takes a lot and it, nobody's satisfied with anything really. Right. Right. On that note, it's a good answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what helps. do people misunderstand about you the most? Oh, I have no idea. I don't know what people misunderstand about me either. Hmm. But I can guess because of my strong position on many things about which I'm very vocal, I think it's easy for people to falsely assume that I identify with one particular political party because my positions are mine and my feelings are based on my morals and my perspectives in the world. And they're not because I identify with a mission or a political party. I refuse to do that. And I'm, I believe it's part of staying lucid that I can see what I agree with and disagree with on each side of any debate. And there's no way I'm ever going to turn my mind over to one particular ideology. So I think it's easy to hear my perspective on one particular thing and falsely assume that you can guess my political ideology because that's always going to be mine. I'm always going to be an independent thinker. I kind of feel the same way and I wish more people would be like that. So thanks. I have no idea what people misunderstand about me. I think people think you have tattoos when you don't. (laughs) (laughs) She seems so badass. Okay. I will tell you that I've heard women in my postpartum group who work with you, who recommend you wholeheartedly to other women saying she won't be touchy feely, but she is incredibly loving and caring. So I think if there's a misunderstanding about you, it's that that I can't be touchy feely. your, Your stoicism could mislead people into thinking you're not caring, but that's kind of what that's what I think actual caring is. I don't think it's a gushy kind of, okay, I'm with you, mama. And I'm blah, blah, blah. Like right. you're, it's so authentic and sincere that it takes women right. about one minute to realize this is what actual compassion and connection looks mm-hmm. and feels like. I, I can't think, that. I can't think of any other. Yeah. Maybe the misunderstanding is that I could be difficult to get close to. And you don't give compliments okay. off easily at all. I mean, you got to earn them. <laughs> you really do. What is one, there are two questions left. What is one final thought you want to leave listeners with? One, that's too hard. I mean, I don't know. What are we talking about? This is going to be one of those like tap and bits words where like later I'm going to think, oh, that was the perfect answer. I think, I think in envisioning that more than 90% of our listeners are 
about 90% are female and women in their young motherhood years. I just want to say that the same thing I say to children and teenagers, I just want to say it gets easier. And if, if we don't know factually whether it does, I think it's a healthy belief. I want you to believe it gets easier. Your marriage gets easier. Taking care of your body gets easier. Your independence gets easier. Don't be sad about the notion of your children getting older and the sentimentality around these beautiful, precious little chubby-cheeked, kissable children getting older because you will just keep loving them more and more. You will. I mean, they're, they're indescribably precious when they're little, but you just keep loving them more. So don't be afraid of them getting older because the love that you're enjoying keeps expanding. And yet while that's happening, you get more liberated and free and there's less strain in your marriage and there's more freedom in your life. So I just want to tell women to not worry that they're in the hardest time and it's going to get easier. And again, regardless of whether I'm right or wrong, it's a very good belief to hold on to. Yeah. And it's a hard belief to hold on to sometimes when you're really in the thick of it. So it's a good reminder for people listening. I would like to give women more permission for whatever it is that they need that they are not giving themselves. More permission to feel whatever it is they need to feel. More permission to do whatever they feel that they need to do. More permission to really just say, say, yes, say whatever they need to say, express whatever they need to express to release a lot of so much of the guilt that they carry and the people pleasing. Yeah. Stop people pleasing. Mm. Give yourself permission to be authentic, whatever that is for you, honor that and embrace that and be that. And you will feel so much more free. Amazing. Last one. Yeah. (laughs) What was your favorite part of this episode? Listening to Trisha. Well, listening to Cynthia. (laughs) I love it. All of it. This was fun. Seeing you, Liz. Oh, thank you for staying up late with us. I love it. We talked a long time. We did. Thank you for your tolerance and listening to us for so long. Get out of here. Are you kidding? And for being such a big supporter of what we do. We really, really appreciate it it is so wonderful to have good people in your corner and you are one of those people thank you thanks for joining us at the down to birth show you can reach us at down to birth show on instagram or email us at contact at down All of Cynthia's classes and Trisha's breastfeeding services are held live, online, serving women and couples everywhere. Please remember this information is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. For our full disclaimer, visit downtobirthshow.com slash disclaimer. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, hear everyone and listen to yourself. Desderada, Max Ehrman, 1927. Go placidly amid the noise and the haste, and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. 
Speak your truth quietly and clearly, and listen to others, even to the dull and the ignorant. They too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexations to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain or bitter. For always, there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere life is full of heroism. Be yourself. Especially do not feign affection. Neither be cynical about love, for in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is as perennial as the grass. Take kindly the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Nurture strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune, but do not distress yourself with dark imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be. And whatever your labors and aspirations in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace in your soul. With all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful. Strive to be happy.